I just did the uh the Leo pod with uh Oh yeah, I saw you watching Carter. some obscure Leo movies that I never heard of. So. <laughs> some deep cuts, some uh the beach. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck that is. Danny Boyle, I guess. I didn't even know that's a thing. Yeah, it's really weird. Um he like he's he's this guy who just decides to go to Vietnam and like on vacation. And he's just, but he's just like hanging out there and he doesn't know how like it's just like kind of a spur of the moment, you know, go eat, pray, love style, I guess. Um, <laughs> and then he like meets this guy at a hotel who gives him some map and then kills himself. <laughs> and it's a map to a beach. And then him and this French couple swim to the beach and Tilda Swinton's there and things ensue. Oh, Tilda Swinton's there? That's dope. I like Tilda Swinton's. So. Yeah, I think really she's the only other person um, that I knew that was in the movie. Sounds weird. French actors were like just only in French movies, really. Yeah. I'm going to check it out. That sounds absolutely insane. And I've never fucking heard of it. So. Yeah, the the resolution is like, I, I don't know, like it's it's an okay movie. Like nothing really. Right. It's a weird like society. I wouldn't expect it to be great. I mean, <laughs> it's on stars. <laughs> Is that with Max or no? Uh, I think you can add it on to Prime, maybe. I, I got it. I had a three-month trial. You can get a trial. I had a three-month trial to watch the uh, Planet of the Apes movies. That's how I watched oh, yeah. them. They're on there, the old ones. Right. So I got it. And then, like, at the end of the three months, I was going to cancel because it was, like, nine ninety nine, And they're like, okay, no, we'll charge you $1.99 a month for three months. And then oh. every time at the end of the three months, I say I'm going to cancel. They just go, we'll give you another three months at $1.99. And I'm like, I'll pay for stars for $1.99 a month. I mean, they're I'll desperate. Watch. I mean, it's, that's more than it is to rent some of these movies that I watch usually. So I'll, I'll pay. That was yeah. a good deal, honestly. John Wick Chapter 4 is on there. There you go, Billy. It's Blake. mostly shit. Like, there, I'll admit, there's not a lot of great, but there is some weird, like, <laughs> the Sandlot, you know. That's not bad. I mean, variable weight of mass of talent. Uh, I guess Lionsgate right. movies come here. So, Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. I'm guessing the new Hunger Games movie might show up here. <laughs> I mean, for two bucks, I feel like that's a steal. Yeah, so. I mean, I, I got to see all those Planet of the Apes. That's what it was really all about. So, yeah, <laughs> this is not an ad for stars. But <laughs> <laughs> it might be. It might be. Let's, uh, let's get started with... Uh, Welcome back to Cody and Corbin have a podcast, a show where two former roommates talk about bones and all. There's a lover in the story, but the story's still the same. There's a lullaby for suffering and a paradox to blame. I didn't know I had permission to murder and to maim. You want it darker. We kill the flame. You don't think I'm a bad person. He may be, he may be. All I think is that I love you. You look like the kind that's convinced himself he's got this under his thumb. He may be. But you pull on one little thread. I'm ready. My Lord. I'm Corbin Zavokal, and of course, joining me is my uh, partner in crime, my fellow not cannibal, Cody Webb. Cody, what's going on? <laughs> it's going great, man. I'm very excited to be back capping in October. It is spooky season. We are back. 
We haven't done a pod for a while, Corbin. Took a little so. break. Got a lot to talk about and uh, a lot of uh, chills to to be had. Absolutely. You know, it's spooky season. We're known to, you know, not be transition. We like to, but, you know, in the October month, we like to uh, lean into the spookiness uh, wherever we can. Facts. And I think we're kicking off with a banger. So I'm excited. It should be a good one. That leads us right into why. Why me? Why did you pick me? Did we pick this movie? I did choose this one. Uh, and it's interesting because it is a horror movie, but it's not, you know, necessarily a jump scary traditional, like it's it's a romantic horror movie. Um, and also it was one of my favorite-ish, like, you know, top 10, top five movies of last year. So now here we are like a year later, I thought it'd be fun to do a little bit of a Halloween themed retrospective, looking back at this movie. And I knew you, of course, had not seen it <laughs> that is very true um i think it's a good pick though and and yeah i like the reasoning too it's not like your prototypical you know like slasher kind of the, the first thing that pops in your head when you think maybe like scary movies it's kind of like a side take at it which i think is really fun but yeah and we can just jump straight into it as well like you said do you I mean, remember do you remember yeah, this, this was the first time I've ever seen this flick. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Corbin, tell me about your experience. <laughs> so this I, is not I, your first time, right? I, I, it's, not, it's the second time. I have not watched okay. it since the first time, but I did pull up the receipts. I went with Mina, uh, wonderful girlfriend Mina, to see it at the AMC Lincoln Square in one of their regular little theaters, theater number four, Ooh. at 11 a.m. on November 19th. So like 11 months ago <laughs> is that a, that's gotta be a weekend right oh yeah i i would imagine so because mina would have to work uh otherwise so <laughs> respect i like the saturday other- morning yeah saturday morning showings i think are underrated you get up right away you go to the theater at least for me i mean i wake up at 11 so i'm not sure about you guys but <laughs> yeah, wake up, you know it was in the city so we got up you know took the train in and um it was it was a good time it's, it's always a fun uh what fun way to spend a saturday for sure yeah in a year since so revisit one of your favorites i feel like that's always fun as well um yeah i do want to say officially uh of the 2022 movies where i placed it it's gotta be top uh, five because you're talking about it in our end of uh year video a lot it was my 11th favorite movie of 2022 so you know there's there's some good stuff there for how much i've heard you talk about this movie that's a very low rating um i'm disappointed in that rating i'm I'm interested to see kind of what your overall rating is honestly as well uh no spoilers obviously but i never know when to like re-watch a movie when i saw it in theaters and i really really liked it like of course you have that instinct like there's certain movies you're gonna go back and watch like two or three times but something like this i feel like it's hard to kind of gauge how long it should be until i rewatch i kind of like like the year mark for for a film like this but yeah I agree. It is definitely a a weird thing where it's like, I oftentimes, if I see a movie in theater, do not rewatch it the second it hits streaming. And it, 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 we, it has, there has to be a reason. And for me, I wanted to be like, Hey, let's do the podcast about it. So I can't take a chance to look at it again. And um, I I still appreciate in the same way that I did uh, a year ago. Love that. Let's get into our initial thoughts. Good morning, Vietnam. Cody, uh, what did you think about it, man? (laughs) I actually do enjoy this movie a good deal. I mean, like we were saying off the beginning, it's, and I didn't know what to expect coming in because I, I don't really, you know, I've said this tons of times, but I don't like watching trailers. I don't know. I don't want to know, you know, squat about the film before I do come in. Um, 
And then, like, the opening sequence, I'm just going to go full-on spoiler there off the top here. Because for me, I think the opening is really effective. You get to the seven-minute mark, and I'm just like, yo, what is going on? <laughs> like, you get you get the finger-cutting scene, and I feel like I'm hooked after that. She just so... takes that bite. She just munches, man. <laughs> she sees it, and she takes her opportunity. You got to respect it. Because, like, the first five minutes, you're like, okay, like... I know this has something to do with cannibals. This girl's probably going to be involved. You know, something, you know something's going to happen. But it's just like the typical like coming-of-age movie beginning where it's like, oh, my dad won't let me go out. But, hey, you know, I moved to this new place. I'm trying to make, make new friends. Let's just have fun tonight. And then it just turns on a dime to you're like, oh, wait, you know, this is a horror movie still. I don't have any memories of her. Oh, that's even... My dad wouldn't tell me anything. Try that. It's called copper fever. Too orange. that a lot the bone crunching on the finger i think is something that sticks with me and and like the next few days after i watch this film that's kind of the first thing i thought of when when revisiting it also funny because it's like probably one of the more visceral scenes and like it doesn't the, 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 the cool thing about this movie is like it knows when to not show things and it knows like it the things it does show you are, are cool and the direction is just incredible and we're going to talk about it more but i think luca guadagnino um is like the perfect person to find that balance of the like visceral horror bloody physical cannibalism being shown and then also like uh the ways to, to cut around it and kind of like show the livelihoods of the people that they're taking around and the things they leave behind in death um which i think is really cool yeah and i think that's the great thing about this movie is it's not really about the cannibalism or the horror i mean it is there's there's a ton of stuff with that but it's more about like these two characters and kind of how they ended up finding each other, kind of their path and their journey, which like I, I think is really cool. And as well, like like that finger, uh, you know, bite. That's I mean, that's kind of like the most gory thing we see. There is other stuff later on, which we'll definitely talk about. But I think as like uh, just like a hook into the movie, I think that's one of the best I've seen in a while. So shout out to that. Also, like her heavy breathing, I think is really interesting too. Like just looking back on that scene on a rewatch, uh, cool stuff. Past that, I mean, the cast is great. <laughs> the, the main two here, obviously we'll go into it a bunch more as well, but your boy, Timmy Chalamet, he's got the red hair and he eats people. I mean, you can't really beat that. It's a great look. <laughs> and then Taylor Russell, kind of right right alongside with him, really does carry this film, I think. And um, I, this is the first time I've ever seen her or anything. So that was my kind of standout thing of like, oh, wow, she, she was really good. But I, I like the idea too of like, keeping the story and the cast as simple as possible like this doesn't have like an a sprawling imdb cast list um it's like three people pretty much the entire movie and then a couple like smaller roles here and there so i like the construction of the film too it's really just focused on the movement of these characters and and that's pretty much it and 
honestly, any, any kind of movie that's, you know, set up like that, I'm probably going to be on board just because you're going to have development and you're going to have growth. And I think uh, it's really good in this movie. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I like the idea of like the way it plays with genre and this is really first and foremost, like a romance and like, it's a story about a love between these two people and how many romantic horror movies do you know? Like not a ton and not a lot that are this effective. Um, and then also like there's almost a sci-fi element <clears throat> to it as well. And like, that's always a little bit horror adjacent, but like these cannibalistic peoples and like, you know, whatever's happened and whatever creates these people, it's like very unexplained, which is partly why I love it because <clears throat> it doesn't like feel the need to go crazy exposition about like how these people are happen or like why it works, but like you still feel it and it's, it's really present and that almost makes it more scary as well. Yeah, I completely agree. That's going to be something else I want to touch on is like the low key world building. Like It's not even really world building. You're just kind of learning as you go along with the character. And it is, it's kind of strange how like she doesn't meet anyone for as long as she's living until this point. And then literally in like, you know, back to back days or whatever, she meets two people who are like the exact same as her. So that's kind of weird, but it's kind of a weird world where it is the real world in a sense, but you know, there's just a tiny little tweak that changes a lot. So the world building is cool too. Yeah. I mean, not, not to jump ahead too much into the good, but something I want to talk about is like for you and I, we're from Indiana. Indiana's in this movie, but even beyond that, like it, Luca Guadagnino is not an American director. And yet he really captures the essence of like rural, poor Americana, especially like in the Midwest, you see our character travel from like Maryland, Virginia to Ohio, Indiana, Kentucky, Iowa, Minnesota, and Nebraska, like all across areas that feel very familiar to us at a time in the 1980s that is, is really interesting and particularly setting in that time is also apparent and all the themes that go with that. But like if it hits kind of close to home and it feels more real because of that fact. Absolutely. I think this movie was was definitely made for people like us in a sense. Um, I think it is a love, love, love letter to the Midwest, 100%, especially with like its cinematography as well, uh, which really kind of captures it beautifully. But yeah, I mean, how can I not like this movie? I'm from Indiana. <laughs> it's That's where she meets Timmy, man. That's exactly, where they cross man. paths. Me and Timmy could be neighbors, you know? It's pretty realistic. So The true yeah. Indiana resident is like a drunk guy who's uh, assaulting a woman at the grocery store that ends up getting eaten. But, you know, whatever. True. <laughs> you can't deny that. We got but, some Timmys and we got a lot of other bad people too. But for sure. That, that's the Midwest, baby. Let's let's talk IMDb known for it. Do I know you? I mean, where do I know you from? And, uh, we'll start with the girl you didn't know too much about, Taylor Russell. Cody, this is crazy. She's only got three things. She doesn't even have a four. So it's <laughs> bones and all, waves, and then the start. The heart still hums, which is a short that she directed, which we should check out because um, that's really cool that that is on there. Yeah. Um, but I've talked about it before. I'm a I'm a big escape room guy. Give me escape room or escape room tournament of champions. Where's the respect? Uh, those are like not incredible pieces of dramatic, like uh, cinematic work, but they are like fun little horror movies that she's really good in. Um, and it's like that cool thing where it's like escape rooms are popular. It's reflective of like this trend of our times. And, you know, it's cool traps. It's like a little soggy, but less bloody. Yeah, throw escape rooms number four, tournament <laughs> of champions. Great I'm flick. 
I, I haven't seen the movies. We might have to make it a October. We will do an one. escape room episode at some point. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a great uh, cap month ender, I think. You're not you, if we do that episode, we have to do it inside of an escape room or, or something like that. I, I, I like that. Actually, I'm on board with that. Um, yeah, that is weird. I mean, she doesn't even have the four to fill it out, but they refuse to put like, I guess it's kind of like an offbeat horror movie, like you said, but I, but let me look at the box office here real quick, because I I feel like it made someone $155 million for the first escape room movie. You're telling me she's the star of the movie. (laughs) It got a sequel, so it must've made some good bucks, but also, um, do you know anything about this waves film? I've never heard of this thing, but it looks decent. I don't know. A24 movie. Uh, it's got Lucas Hedges in it, um, and she is very good in it. It is a crazy movie that, like, it's been a minute. It's been about two or three years since I've seen it, but I think I want to say about two-thirds through the movie, something happens very drastic that kind of, like, shifts the movie, even, like, who the kind of the characters that it's focusing on are. Um, it's very emotional. Lucas Hedges is great in it. Um, it's really in that like period of him doing like the young teen sad boy Manchester by the Sea, like Lady Bird. This like, I would definitely recommend checking that one out as well. You know, fun, it, not fun. It's a kind of a depressing <laughs> high school movie. I don't think any Lucas Lucas Hedges film is could be described as fun, but that is cool. I might have checked that one out. Um, but I'm still baffled that like, why is there only three things on our IMDb page? I mean, we've been doing this segment for, for not too long, but I guarantee this will be the only time where somebody does not fill out the IMDb page. So I just find that strange. I think maybe they just need new people updating their website or something because it just doesn't make sense. Put some respect on Taylor Russ's name. I really think, I, I think I chatted her out. I mean, at the end of our year is one of my favorite performances. I really do love her work in this movie. Um, I think she's going to be in a lot of big stuff. I think she's going to continue yeah. to do great work. I agree. And uh, hey, uh, give her some director shots as well we, we need to check out that's that cool. short yeah that's pretty dope yeah all right timmy our boy timothy chalamet uh, his four are call me by your name ladybird beautiful boy and dune of course call me by your name another luca guadagnino film i think it's a good for for timmy i mean he's he kind of has the filmography of he's like a little bit in a lot of stuff i'm a bit surprised that interstellar is not on here but obviously I'm not too mad about it. For me personally, I think it's a fine for. I have unfortunately not seen Beautiful Boy. That is one that I do want to check out because I love Steve Carell too. Steve Carell is awesome. But I have seen these other three films and I would agree. Like these are definitely three of his better movies. Obviously Lady Bird, he's he's definitely like a side character. Um, But Call Me By Your Name in Dune. I mean, he's the lead. Same with Beautiful Boy. I mean, he's pretty much the lead in all three of those. So I like these as well as kind of like, his main roles because you could put an interstellar in here but like that's just like a popular movie that he was in it's not really you know a timmy chalamet movie in a sense yeah i mean there's the the famous interview quote where he's like and i saw it and i loved it but then i went home to my dad and i like wept for an hour Why? because i just figured my part was like bigger or something <laughs> oh, i don't know no. they didn't even like cut anything i just figured I don't know what I figured. Like, it just felt so giant when you were. Yeah, it's doing all, that's it. exactly it. And while you were reading, that's it. The sets like, were so is, big. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, like I, less than that. Like, is, yeah. I mean, that dude uh, McConaughey says see you to his kids long ago, and then he turns into Topher Grace, and it's it's game <laughs> over. <laughs> no, he turns into Casey Affleck. Oh yeah, he turns into Casey Affleck. That's, Put that's some right. respect on my boy Topher. My bad. My bad. My bad. <laughs> 
Him and Casey. They, That's uh, right. That, yeah. that movie sucks. But um, uh, I was going to say Matthew McConaughey doesn't even care about him in the movie, which is funny too. No, but... he's he's all about Murph, dude. That yeah. movie's about Murph. If it, if he was Murph, then yes, we'd go uh, top <laughs> sure. four for sure. Um, I think Call You By Your Name for sure. Lady Bird, it sucks because I love that movie, but it does feel like his. it's the least significant of his his roles here. It is a supporting one. Um, the King, like that, I know it wasn't like a huge movie, but like at least it's like him at the forefront. Yeah. Everything else is, is pretty small when it comes to like Don't Look Up, French Dispatch. Little Women is basically the same as Lady Bird. Hot Summer Nights is an okay movie. Um, I do like Beautiful Boy though. Um, it's depressing movie again it's you know it's a tough story about addiction um and steve carell is, is pretty powerful in it um even though you know when he starts to yell it's like come on michael shut up <laughs> dune should be one on these four though for the record which one dune should be the first listed well that's the weird thing too because their rating system i don't really understand because technically like dune is the highest rated but it's not listed as first film I think it's like what they're supposed to be their most known for is called Me Your Names first, not that it's like their best. (laughs) That's that's fair. Also, um, I did want to say go check out our Lady Bird episode. I believe that was what, season one, season two? It was early. Early, yeah. And I called Timmy Chalamet the worst actor in the film. So if you want to hear me rig on him, I won't do that too much in this episode, but if you want to hear that, go check out that one. Um, And then moving on finally to Luca Guadagnino. Is 4R again, Call Me by Your Name, Suspiria, a remake of the original film, Bones and All, and A Bigger Splash, all movies he directed. Um, have you seen Call Me by Your Name, Cody? I, I have not, honestly. I did start it not? And, and did not. Oh, wow. It. I'm actually shocked by that. Uh, I have seen Call Me by Your Name. I think it's actually pretty good. Um, obviously, that movie and this movie we're talking about here today, Bones and All are the only two flicks I've seen from from the man Luca. But I would say in my book, he's two for two. I think those are both two pretty good and, and just well-made movies overall. So I don't know too much about a bigger splash. Hey, kind of, tell the sweat. Your girl, Cody. <laughs> that is true. Suspiria, that sounds like, you know, mysterious. So that one's that's more That's mysterious. horror. That's this. If that's, you know, if you like Bones and All, maybe go check out Suspiria, although it's, I think, a little bit more intense. <laughs> yeah and i'll say too like call me by your name is it's no no horror at all involved it's it's straight up just kind of a romantic uh you know coming of age movie so i like that as well he, he can definitely genre blend a little bit and and go back and forth between horror and romance which like you said i feel like we don't see that too much these days so kind of a cool combo he's a he's a really talented director um obviously international films uh but it's cool that he like he's also making english films in america with american actors so it'd be cool I, i'd love to see him you know go back and maybe make something in italian now though as well um I'm, i've been working on my i've been working on learning my italian so um I'm, i'll be sure. in on that luca du- duolingo king Corvino. <laughs> um, it's cool though, though like he got paired up with timmy coming to kind of the American. well you know he would have maybe potentially had another pair coming out of that movie as well but that guy uh i mean i guess this will Let's talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly, Cody. Let's start with the ugly, because I think this movie is a movie about ugliness in a lot of ways. Um, And, you know, it's October, it's horror season. Let's let's do a little ugly first. Um, I think it is kind of ironic and funny that when you, like, have this guy, Army Hammer, who's in your successful movie, and then, you know, 
all these things come out about like cannibalism and ham and then you go on to make a movie with timothy chalamet about cannibalism i mean it's a little on the nose maybe <laughs> a little is army, hammer, is army hammer a cannibal i didn't know that oh yeah cody you're not up on the cannibalistic <laughs> nature of the I, hamster uh yeah i didn't know army hammer was a cannibal. that is tough i just don't understand that uh yeah army <laughs> I mean, I thought he was just canceled for like other reasons. So um, it was like he was the things he was saying were like, I want to eat you. And like it was like weird sexual fetish, cannibalistic stuff. Okay. And that was the whole thing. Yeah, I gotcha. So it's more of like weird sexual stuff than actually being cannibal. Well, yeah, that's that's, hard, I mean, yeah, it's hard to say. <laughs> same thing, basically. But yeah, I was never a big fan of Army to begin with. Um but that is strange. And we that talked about great. him last week on our last episode, uh, talking yeah, about yeah. The George Miller's yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> canceled Justice League. That's the thing, too. Like, if you're going to make something, I guess it's sort of meta, like you're saying. Like, Army's got to have a cameo. He could have just been, like, somebody who's getting eaten or something, and maybe he would have been excited about it. But that is pretty strange. It's, like, it's almost strange enough where it can't be a coincidence, I think. I don't oh, know. yeah. It, I, I, I truly do think it is, it is very <laughs> intentional. What do you got for ugly, Cody? I ugly. I mean, I don't know. This movie, like, there's some obvious ugly stuff. Like, obviously, like eating people. Um, you know, it's not great. I don't like seeing that really. And you know, it's kind of ugly. I don't know. I feel like that's a stretch. But the thing with it is like eating like your own kids slash parents. I think that's kind of where I draw the line in a sense. Like, I understand like these people have like urges and cravings that I don't understand. So it's hard to judge them but like doing that to somebody who's like your direct descendant i guess especially like the the parent to the kids that's just like what are you doing like you have no morals in a sense and possibly this is just something that kind of drives them crazy as as we saw with uh, her mom specifically so again hard to judge but um yeah just like eating your loved ones i think is is more morally pretty ugly i guess yeah i mean uh Timothy Chalamet's dad or whatever that he eats, that's obviously, he's not a great person, but it's still, you know, messed up. I'll even go say, uh, as far as say, like, uh, Andre Holland, the character, uh, the actor from uh, Moonlight, if you remember, another episode yeah, we've done in the past, who plays her dad, you know, just ditching her when she turns 18, that's a little bit tough, and then, you know, kind of like, re- just revealing all, of, like, the truth about her childhood to her via tape. Um, I think you could do a better job, my guy, you know, help her out. <laughs> I yeah, she's so- tough. <laughs> that was on my short list as well just bad parenting overall i think and kind of another thing along with adults in this movie too is terrible police work i mean first off uh, like how is this not on like every news station being like another body was found that was the eating. 80s man i mean you know <laughs> it's like oh it's the hundred month it's like oh okay i guess we don't have to worry about it but yeah i, I feel like there's like one tiny little subtle shots of of um like cops walking into like whatever diner taylor russell is sitting in but there's literally no other kind of police force in the entire film which i feel like it's just kind of weird and like i said i mean it's just the 80s in the midwest so i guess it's pretty relaxed back then but yeah just i think the ugliness of you know society as a whole even like child protective services i guess she did kind of just turn 18 but shouldn't there be a bunch of questions too if like you notice this family's been moving like 10 times in 10 years or something for, for no reason. Like, I don't know. I feel like there should be some, some questioning at some point, but it's hard to say. 
yeah and like what happened like she bit off that girl's finger and i mean there's i you know i it, i agree there's yeah. a trail of fingers somewhere Corbin, and nobody, <laughs> nobody's following it so. and um, how many how many cannibals are there is the question because like you said she runs into a couple uh, of course she is traveling she isn't staying in one place but like how many what's the percentage of the population that, it, that are cannibals i don't know it's hard to say yeah so she runs into what three in like a month or so because you have of course uh michael stolbuk's character which i'll get yeah. into jake i think that's it though right yeah i mean yeah. obviously uh the big and her mom and and his dad i guess yeah so it, they're spaced out a little bit though maybe it's like one per state uh maybe that's the rule or something yeah the the whole geography of it is pretty interesting like honestly i would like to see a sequel of this movie um obviously we have some characters who don't make it all the way through but i think just the overall idea of the world building is something that would interest me more yeah i, I think there's definitely opportunities or even like even if it's not directly cannibal you stick like Luca Guadagini is doing something with a similar vibe and energy to like this is a horror movie exploring you know these type of themes of, of family and homes and and honestly like things like addiction let's talk about the bad now cody oh obviously you know it's it's hard to critique but like this movie does have like a very fucked up and sad ending it's like it is a tragedy as well it's not just a romance like it's it, it's a, like a classic tragedy where it's like our characters do not end the story happy one of them is dead uh because the other person ate them and you know like uh, it, it's pretty fucked up it is very sad ending and i think another one that similar to that opening scene i was talking to it kind of just like sticks with you a little bit and <laughs> you're just like sitting at the end of the movie like oh damn like she just ate him like <laughs> i mean the thing is like it's an incredible ending but it also sucks you know <laughs> it's like poetic it's like <laughs> this is a weird way to describe it's it beautiful like, yeah they love each other so much he was like eat me <laughs> yeah <laughs> i want to have that love but <laughs> at the same time it's like that's that's pretty messed up and you don't want to go out that way but like in their specific situation it is poetic like it's kind of a a culmination of a really cool love story so yeah i i do like the ending a lot i'm not gonna lie what else bad do you have cody um, for me, it's mostly like just one thing that kind of sticks out that I don't love about this movie. And it's pretty much just circling around you know, Mark Rylance's character. Like his introduction, I think is fine. But everything past that, I think it's just kind of unnecessary. First off to you, I mean, this guy has got just the nose of bloodhound on him. Uh, <laughs> honestly, like This guy should be a professional tracker. Uh, get this guy with uh, a bounty hunter and he's unstoppable when he pops up in like the mystery machine because he shows up like very early probably like what the half hour mark and then it's the first person she meets when she leaves and then after that i mean you gotta wait over an hour i think to see him again and then he just shows up like i said in the mystery machine you know being like oh how'd it go with timmy oh not great you want to hitch a ride with me and then she's like obviously no like this is kind of creepy you just follow me across the country and then kind of his tone after that just changes completely, which I think is fine. Uh, obviously, you need kind of an antagonist in the story. And it makes sense because he's a good actor. Shout out to uh, to uh, Mark Rylance. He does have an Oscar, I believe. So uh, very, very good actor. I'd say. But, yeah, I haven't seen that, to be fair. But Spielberg, okay, so it's probably good. Then he just like starts randomly yelling on the road. And you're like, okay, I think maybe this guy's story is done. And then, of course, he pops up at the end for 
I don't love his inclusion in the ending because I feel like his character, like him and um, Taylor Russell, I can't think right now. Okay, uh, him and Taylor Russell, I feel like Marin. they had a, yeah, Marin. There we go, Marin and uh, this weirdo. I feel like they have a good relationship in the beginning. Like, like I said, I like that introduction to the character. Like you saying, like, oh, I've never sat in, uh, you know, dry it out with somebody. Like that's cool, I think. But and then we pass forward to the end, and this guy's just a, a crazy stalker creepo. When she never like did anything to make an advance at him, and he's like seventy years old. So I don't love his character, and that's kind of just the thing that sticks out to me is like it wasn't really necessary. You could have come up with another, like Michael Stolberg could have showed up at the end, and and he could have been the big bad in, instead of him. I feel like a lot easier. Yeah, it is weird because you feel like he's gonna come back around, and then he doesn't really pop back up again um, in the story. There's yeah. there's definitely room for that to be there. Also, um, he, he ate Timmy's sister, and that was just kind of like brushed over. Like I think I think that should have been a massive moment at the end. It was just like, oh yeah, Kayla's dead. It's like, dude, like that was one of my favorite characters. So I don't know stuff. <laughs> he also sounds a little bit like Forrest Gump, which is not great. <laughs> <laughs> he's got some mass. He's got some mental issues for sure. That's not really touched on at all. So yeah, Sully, Straight. Jake Sully. Sully. Our boy. That's true. It's a good character name, but I didn't even remember it. So if you're going to name your character solely, I better be able to remember. There's it. some great ones um, in the history. Uh, James P. Sullivan, of course, from Monsters Inc. Uh, Chelsea Sully Sullenberger of of you know the movie where Tom Hanks lands the plane. Sully. Yeah, Sully. That's one. <laughs> um, this is very nitpicky, so bear with me. But kind of just a writing gripe that I have is like. Oh, they both have like deep-seated parenting issues. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's kind of lazy, but it makes sense in the context. Like, if you were a child of someone with like cannibalistic, you know, tendencies like this, obviously they are going to be very messed up. So it's going to make sense that it's going to have an effect on your life as well. But I just think that's lazy where you have like two characters connect because, oh, you know, we both have daddy issues or, you know, Timmy's got daddy issues and I've got mommy issues. I, I just think that's kind of lazy. Yeah, I, I agree. The characters are basically the same. I mean, that's something that I guess that makes them work well together. And that's why they find each other to be uh, someone that they can relate to and have a relationship with. But, you know, there could be a little bit of difference in their situation, their feelings. Um, I, I agree with you. And like I said, that's pretty nitpicky, but that was the majority of things I have. My my massive gripe, honestly, that brings it down for me a lot is, is mostly just Mark Rylance's character. One last thing the titles on the screen where it's like identifying the state that they're in is cool but then it like there's no consistency because at one point they go in ky mn you know all the postal codes and then it just goes july just in july and you're like what <laughs> and then nebraska's next any and then august and then that's it <laughs> like it's just a weird like <laughs> bit of strange way to tell the story uh and there's not a lot of consistency and style there i thought i was being nitpicky geez uh. that's just weird don't you think that's a little strange that they're like i mean because then they the thing is they are jumping between the states but they're not always identifying in the same way it's i don't know i i like the idea of it but like they end up in kentucky back at the end and also it never even puts them in michigan it puts them in minnesota but they never do an mi for michigan even though they live yeah. in Ann Arbor at the end of the movie. Yeah, I was going to say, because they definitely were camped out there. So that is, that is a good point. I didn't notice that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I kind of hey, like Nick Pickman. The initials are cool. 
And then like switching between, you know, states to months, you got to do something a little bit different, I guess, to show the kind of the passage of time. I, that, that didn't really stick out to me. But... <laughs> hey, man, you, you wanted me to find something. So I found something. Let's like now it. talk about the good, which there I do go. have a, a lot to get into here, Cody. Um, and the big thing, like the thing that I first really thought of when I watched this movie a year ago is like how much I feel like this movie is about drug addiction. And like how much it mirrors um, a lot of things that you see in our society and especially like you know placing in the 1980s and like you know war on drugs like post like the way our society is being impacted and like rural america being propped up and like if you look at the cannibalism as addiction and like all the things that go into that it, it becomes really clear so just like some quick points like the things that mirror it or like the ways that if you like apply it to drug addiction you could see the similarities from here so like whether it's sneaking out to see friends these people living on the outskirts of society having this fiend for your your addiction above everything else um when they consume when they're when they're eating the people like they they kind of feel the euphoria like they kind of just sit in it um even the ways that they talk about it it feels very much like they're talking about a drug um kind of like these like relationships formed with like sketchy older people or other people in the fringes of society that can like provide you a fix so whether it be solely early or on because he can teach her things and give her the food at the end your family like her dad abandoning her because of her addiction like that idea of like your family being pushed to the point where it's like even we can't help you and you're gonna have to help yourself she says at one point like i'm 18 and i feel like if i'm forced to survive like this another 60 70 years like i i, I won't be able to like i don't think I'm, I'm gonna make it like that idea like you don't think you're gonna live that long um and then there's another like either you eat you off yourself or you lock yourself up in there so it's like people like at the, the brink of their addiction feeling like either i continue this or i kill myself or i like lock myself in up in an institution or maybe even you get arrested um you mentioned the the cops not really being prevalent that does feel a little bit weird for the 80s and especially like the approach to addiction it would be cool to kind of have that element of like another thing to pull in there like cracking down on these people in some way or seeing that enforcement. Um, but just like looking at it from addiction, especially like in a rural poor, poor American setting, I think it elevates the way that you can like really view this movie. I like that comparison a lot. And I mean, yeah, just based on what you're saying, just like the time period and the setting that this is in, it's such an easy comparison to make. Um, like you're saying, like, like quotes of the movie, they're like, Oh, like, how'd you feel after like your first time doing it or whatever? and like just the way they describe like the cannibalism is always like they're on like a crazy high or, or they're like oh i don't even remember anything like after that so like i feel like the the emotions connected to both are definitely kind of comparable so i like that a lot i did think of that but it took me a little bit to kind of get there i think it was mostly like i said just like the finger was stuck in my head <laughs> like the first half of the movie but second half like once they meet up with stolberg especially i feel like you definitely get that vibes of like everything here it's kind of just like in a sense just changing people's perspectives on their own lives and especially once they find her mom as well it's like yeah like this is really messed her up mentally and i think it's easy to make that comparison back yeah to, and it's all about like examining the the people and the the things that are on the fringes of society and also like it's cool movie because like it's not just about that and like, there's so many other ways to interpret it. And like, you can look at it like purely about like sexuality and lust and orientation. And like, you know, Guadagnino's had those themes and those ideas in the past. And, you know, 
the fluidity of Chalamet's character in this movie is apparent. And like, there's definitely a, a thing about like, you know, being exiled and being, you know, put out there for being different um, that, that's prevalent here as well. It's also like very much about like trying to find your home. Like who are the people that you can, you know, connect with and, and these two in the end do find it. However, uh, it ends, it ends very poorly for both of them. Sadly, yeah. Um, I agree. I think the themes are spot on and that's the nice thing about it too is it, the themes change throughout the movie and it's kind of all over the place just in its construction. But I think like the conclusion we get to is, like I said, it's beautiful, but it's also sad at the same time. Some other stuff, I mean, I got to talk about the acting off the top here as well. Um, I think Timothy especially is really, really good. All of like the one-on-one scenes with him and uh, Taylor Russell, I think they're just crazy. The The specific one of like, him talking about what actually happened with his dad and the kind of breakdown and they have like the the poster shot of like you know whatever their heads right next to each other that seems amazing um and kind of backpacking off that too the cinematography um throughout is obviously unbelievable as well but the quote there I, cody i ate him the fuck up and i felt high as a motherfucker and then you get yeah, the poster you. image which <laughs> is, is pretty great yeah that's what i was touching on but him like crying on the spot. I mean, dude, Timmy, Timmy's got some chops. Shout out to him. I think he's got an Oscar upcoming in his career. He might have been non for Beautiful Boy. If he wasn't, maybe he should have been. Maybe not, though. I don't know. I haven't seen it, obviously. But uh past that, I mean, like I said, the cinematography is awesome. Again, that specific scene again, where they're kind of just out in the middle of the nowhere, um, in the Midwest. I think that specifically gives me like the most love letter to the Midwest there it's it's literally just like you're in the middle of nowhere but that's completely normal i feel like you know in our in our personal setting so i love that a lot also another small midwest thing which is an interesting uh sequence is like the the uh the carnival the fair sequence i like that inclusion as well like that's such a midwest thing to include and he's like like low-key shooting buckets um like in that mini game at the carnival spitting some game at the guy you know <laughs> yeah yeah they're meeting up after like to smoke dope it's like okay that's the most midwest thing ever so i kind of just like the vibes throughout of, of the background setting yeah um that scene is, is fun and the i i love the aesthetic of chalamet the hair and even like the hat and in, in my background here um he, he, he's crazy uh the lick it up by kiss <laughs> that weird thing that he has where he's like it's the one where they stop wearing makeup and then he like starts playing it when they they break into that guy's house lick it up. um which obviously also fits in thematically as well with the, the subject subject matter here <laughs> true ironic uh song choice there but i like it <laughs> yeah um you want to talk about uh stolberg here jay uh the character jake what, what do you think about him is, is he gonna belong in the good he was pretty much on the top of my list, I'm being honest. I think Michael Stolberg is one of the more underrated actors working today. And he's actually really, really good in uh, Call Me By Your Name, which you haven't seen, unfortunately. But Oh, by the way, Timothy Chalamet, one Oscar nomination for a little movie, Call Me By Your Name, Cody. <laughs> he got one for that. And he's actually really good in that as well. Um, the, uh, the Funny enough, the roll credits scene in that one, he's amazing. But Michael Stolberg gets the roll credit scene in this one by saying the title of Bones and All. So a fun moment for him, even though he's not in it for very long. Before Bones and All and after. Yeah. Um, and to clarify as well, I mean, uh, Taylor Russell, does she eat 
Timothy Chalamet bones and all? Is that is that canon or no? Uh, I think that is the assumption you can you can make. Obviously, the final scene of this film is, or the final shot of this film is them, you know, her like topless hugging him from behind um, out on this like beautiful cliff, like them and, yeah. you know, whatever heaven together, you know, finding their home together. But I think it is to assume, yeah, she probably eats that dude the fuck up. That's that's what have to, happens after you eat bones and all. Right. Yeah, <laughs> you go um, to a special cliff. Yeah, sure like, but, um, Going back to Stillberg, I mean, he's a real creep in this movie. So. I think him chasing them might be the scariest part of the movie, honestly. Yeah, it's up there for sure. But real unsettling suddenly scene with him, but it's kind of like a cute bonding moment for, for Timmy and, and Taylor Russell. So I like that scene as a whole. We have to talk about his friend as well. Do you know um, who that is? Who's even a bigger weirdo? I don't think so. Who's that? Well, uh, I can give you a little hint here. They directed some horror movies one that recently came out in the last month and not it James was Wong. not praised the last month oh uh the exorcist 2 <laughs> yeah but, well it's not exorcist 2 i think well, it's, it's like sequel, exorcist 6 or something yeah, sure. but um exorcist believer yes david gordon green plays brad um, he's also the director of the new Halloween trilogy, so he's really known for um, mm. reviving classic horror and killing it. Um, but yeah, he plays Brad, who's this guy who isn't a cannibal. Maybe this really should have been in the ugly. He isn't a cannibal, but he's yeah. still like trying to get in on it, which I think is an interesting. That's another cool world building thing, though, where it's like, oh, there's also these like weird fanboy people that are uh, trying to to follow them around and get in get into it. Yeah, got to be the weirdest character in the movie, which is saying a lot about a movie full of cannibals. But kind of just unsettling when when that is revealed as well as like, <laughs> like, dude, you're not even a part of this, but you're just here for some reason. Um, He's also Taylor like Russell. definitely just a cameo because he has not acted in anything else. Like, <laughs> he's only a director. Yeah, and spoiler alert, I'm gonna recast him later on, so t- stay tuned for that. But I thought his character was a standout, and uh, definitely want to notice. Other than that, um, another thing I want to talk about, too, is just the overall camera work. Early on, I think they keep it simple, but as they go along to, like, more of, like, horror-ish sort of scenes, I guess, the one that stands out to me is, like, uh, when Taylor Russell's running away and there's a bit of, like, shaky camera movement, typically when I see that in movies, I don't like it at all, but specifically, like, how they did it here, I think added to the story in a sense, too, because it just makes it a little bit more realistic, I think of like i don't know it's just like that moment in your life where you're like ridiculously scared for a second you just take off and i don't know that scene just really conveyed that really well i thought so as it went along i think that got a little more creative with the movement and um obviously this is an unbelievably beautifully shot film so anything really in the peripherals in this movie is amazing but i thought the movement specifically was was standing out like sometimes it's hard to like grasp like what is directorial style or like what like what separates having one director versus another because it's a little bit harder to understand beyond just like the written word or the cinematography like this movie oozes though with like very specific choices made by Guadagnino in the direction and what he wanted to do and create and scenes like that you know show the apparentness of that you know whether or like the way the scene where she's on the bus and listening to the recorder and then it like cuts to holland doing the talking and then we see her like crying and 
um, where the first time uh, she meets Sully and like he invites her back to the house and then it like cuts to them there and you're like okay this is kind of interesting he's a little weird and then they're talking and then it's like there's the moment where you realize oh clearly this weird fucking guy they're in somebody else's house but like because of the setup and the direction and the way it like edits the scene together and it flows you kind of trust him just enough to where it leads to a cool reveal of like oh yeah of course this fucking creepy man has lured her to a strange house to eat an old woman who's dead upstairs right um or even the final scene which i think is like one of the best directed scenes of the last couple of years you know sully shows up he's super creepy they obviously kill him together and then like the way it's all cut together after that point you know they it cuts to the outdoor shot then it comes back in um they're eating him up obviously that's intense there's the reveal of the Kayla death the sister um and then you see that Timothy Chalamet was stabbed then it cuts to the jacket hanging the knife then you cut back to Timothy Chalamet begging to be eaten uh the bedside table Sully's bag the kitchen sink bones and all bones and all then you hear the score change to this like vocal song about you made it feel like home for a minute Just a minute We made it feel like home For a minute Just for a minute We made it feel like home They're kissing uh and then finally she's eating that man and you see Sully's hat um he starts screaming the blood on the floor and then it's crazy because it like it transitions to like the room is empty now and it, it moves on past that and then we get that you know magical shot of them you know together on the cliff and i, I just yeah. love that final scene i agree too i think the editing with that um is really a standout too and kind of just touching on overall the score and that is really great but the score throughout i think Brent Reznor and Atticus Ross man they did it again (laughs) they are very good to be fair um but it is like different throughout because you have the different unsettling scenes where it's more of like the dumb 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 and they have like the weird like it's like a record scratch but not really it's like but not like that at all (laughs) you might have to uh, oh yeah I'll, i'll play some people don't know what I'm talking about but I really like the unsettling score and like you said more of like the the romantic score kind of it, it picks up a lot more in like the third act and I think that stuff is really beautiful as well so yeah all of, like the technicals in this movie I, I think are just off the wall to everybody behind the camera as well yeah i wanted to talk about the score as well like it's amazing uh the intense like unnerving guitar string and then as well as like the piano 
Um, and it's cool because it like develops over the movie, like you said. Um, Guadagnino said he wanted it to be a melancholic elegy, an unending longing. It needs to be a character in the film, a part of the landscape. And then Addicts Ross said, when the film opens, there's the element of the love themes that the characters haven't found themselves. But as the story progresses, it becomes more intense and intertwined. But within that journey, as their love progresses, we managed to figure out a way where the eating theme could work and intertwine in the same way the story does. Because there's that like sound of them eating and the way it kind of fits in. Um, it, it becomes so much more heartfelt and lovely. Uh, like you said, in the second half of the film, they have that dinner and then they drive to Kentucky together. And it's like, oh, wow, this is so beautiful. Everything's calm. Um, and then obviously, uh, like I said, in the final eating scene, you even get some soft, like vocals, you know, you made it feel like home, which is just all the more heart-wrenching in, in the moment. Yeah, that's funny that they took like cannibalistic eating scene and, and somehow like made it extremely romantic. So shout out to them because that's impressive. <laughs> I mean, my, my last big thing was just the ending, but you touched on it again. I mean, I, I don't know. I feel like stories like this with just like young love as kind of the main theme, I think are maybe like a bit overplayed. But this movie just takes like such a crazy angle at it that it seems like so so new and fresh that I love it. And then I do like, like, it's not a happy ending. Like I said, it like this story is a tragedy. And that's kind of what it was all along though. I mean, this is a messed up world. If these characters do have a happy ending, it's almost like unrealistic in a sense. So I, th I think it's smart the way they, they did end it. Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. And we're back with Invite Fight Night. Totally invite your personal friend Spider-Man. I want to fight you. Hans. Bobby. I'm your white knight. Cody, who do you want to invite? <laughs> yeah, you know, for these categories, I, I try to go for some deeper cuts, but like I said, this movie's cast... It's not crazy deep. So for this one, yeah, this may be a terrible pick. It probably is. I'm going to go with the carny worker who got his uh, throat slit. <laughs> and basically, we haven't really talked about his character, but his character is pretty interesting. All I want to talk to him about really is like, how did he like support his, his family basically? Because it's the big reveal is like, oh, you know, he's a dad and he has a family. How the heck did he do that? Working like part-time gigs at a carny and then also, also yeah like is it a traveling car because usually like those people yeah. go like it, I, I that's a good point Cody. Yeah. there's some also investigation he's, like, he's blowing most of his side money on pot so he can't have that much left over to feed the kids so yeah i, I really just want to know more about his story i thought we were going to get a little bit more honestly but i like the mystery of he's just a family man who is like a bisexual carny so i, I think that's interesting enough but i'd like to have him on and, and find out a little bit more um this might be controversial but I am going to invite Sully on. He does seem oh. most knowledgeable. His voice. I cannot stand his voice. <laughs> um, you know, he might be talking in the third person. However, like, he he will have the answers to the questions that we need answered, yeah. Cody. So, again, Zoom format. We are will be a safe distance. I mean, he might sniff us through the fucking... He can smell computer. us, yeah. But um, I, think, I think it'd be a, a good episode. <laughs> Yeah, information-wise, I agree with you there, but I don't know if I could stand him for a whole hour. Like I said, he's just going to be talking to the third person the whole time. Too, so <laughs> it, it would be bad. <laughs> fight, Cody. Who do you want to fight? I mean, there's there's a lot to pick from here. I ended up going here with uh, Marin's mother. We haven't talked about her, really. <laughs> yeah, and if you've seen the movie, I mean, there's obvious reasons. Um, 
you know, obviously she pretty much spends the majority of the film just trying to find her mother, which is definitely understandable. But as they say, don't meet your heroes, kids, because uh, it, it goes very badly. But yeah, especially I mean, obviously, when they've eaten their own hands off. Yeah, I mean, she's just gone completely bonkers, and she she kind of resorted to eating herself, which is pretty tough. But I think, in a sense, like her actions once uh, Marin did find her, kind of even messed up Marin even more in the head. So you were that bad of a parent where you just ditched her, and obviously that's going to leave a lot of problems. But then when she eventually finds you, you somehow end up making it worse. So when I say it now, I kind of feel bad because I'm hitting somebody without any arms. But uh, she definitely deserves it. Well, she was like, I mean, she was about to eat Taylor Russell. Like like, she she would put up a fight. It's not like it would be. I don't even know if you would stand a chance. I'm not making it out, but I'm going for it regardless. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, uh, I'm going to take on uh, David Gordon Green's character, Brad. That guy is is definitely like the worst person. Because again, (laughs) it's the thing of like, you don't have to do this. Like we can have a little bit of sympathy for these people who clearly have a, you know, a mental condition where they feel compelled to eat. But this guy is, is choosing to do so. He really is the army hammer of it all. Dang, that should have been a recast army hammer. But yeah, maybe that's even the bigger metaphor of this guy's a weirdo and he kind of looks like army hammer. He just so. is a weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> I back that, obviously. Yeah, no, Brad's a, a real oddball. So he deserves one. Finally, Cody Knight. Who do you want to knight? I went mainstream here. I'm I'm gonna knight Timmy, and mainly just for <laughs> for him letting her eat him at the end. I think that's that's pretty commendable, and you know it's a good way for him to go out, and it's a great way kind of for their characters to kind of end on this good note. It's really wild. I I don't think I would do it, but I think he deserves to get knighted for it. Yeah. Lee, shout out to Lee. Uh, I'm gonna knight Lee's little sister, Kayla. Uh, she obviously deserved got eaten by uh, Sully, which is a tough way to go out. Um, she also had a very, you know, you know, bad older brother, bad dad, tough home life. And she still seemed like a really great person and a great kid. And it uh, sucks what happened to her. So I want to honor uh, Kayla with this night. Yeah, I backed that completely. I even didn't even talk about her that much this episode. But like I said, I think she was one of my favorite characters. <laughs> and for her to just be like in a throwaway sentence, uh, you know, she died off off camera disrespectful so yeah i agree with that all right cody the recast bond james bond my name's bond james bond the name's bond james bond the name's bond james bond i'll get us started recasting brad as well so we can throw these out there (laughs) um i'm gonna go i'm you know i'm thinking all-time creepy people um Mm. One of our, one of my favorites. I don't want to say R. I don't want to speak for you because I know it's not true. Uh, Jared Leto. Let's get him in this movie. He can. He's got the energy to be a creepy guy who not only is he's not just a, again he's not a cannibal. He's a guy who just like wants to be a cannibal but can't be. So um, yeah, seems like a perfect pick. That is a good choice. I'm not gonna lie. I don't love Jared Leto, but he fits that role perfectly. So I, I don't know if you can beat it. I don't know if I will. I'll try though. Here, I am going to go Rain Wilson in this. Ooh, um, nice. I feel like he can play it either way too. Like he can go more of like a funny route, obviously, which he's known for, or he can just go extremely creepy. Bring me the Dwight glasses. Give me the creepiness. I think he'd rock it. I like that pick a lot. Um, Jared Leto, they 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 wouldn't get him. 
for this. You know, like, that's too on the right. Right right He wouldn't take any notes. Jared Leto would just beat Jared Leto. He's like, what are you doing? He doesn't need notes, let's be fair. Uh, I do have one more, and it's to replace Mark Rylance. Um, I'm going to go Christian Bale, man. This guy, he's never played, like, a cold-blooded murderer like this in that that same way. I mean, obviously, American Psycho is that, but it's like, he's funny, and he's smiling. Like, this guy is just creepy. Um, So, yeah, let's don't be a villain in a Marvel movie. Be a villain in a Luca Guadagnino movie, you know? Be skinny like you were in the fighter all messed up and and put a, you know, creepy little goatee on it, and I'd love it. (laughs) Does he keep the braids or, or are you leaving that? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got the, he's got the braid and the braids. I, I want to see Christian Walker here. Side back that. Obviously great actor. I, funny enough, also went after Mark Rylance here, but I tried to think off kilter. I went a completely different direction and I went a little bit older here too, but I'm going with Meryl Streep. How oh, freaking boy. awesome would that be to have Meryl Streep? Creepy old lady. Yeah, in this movie, just eating pip people, um, you know, interacting with Timmy. I think that would be awesome. So, I like the Christian Bale role as well. I mean, I feel like either one of those would, would definitely be better than Rylance. It's definitely fun. All right, Cody, the rating. Do you like me? Out of 69, what do you want to rate this movie? This is a tough one for me, and this is kind of in my no man's land. Famously, I feel like I rank a lot of movies in, like, the 55 to 65 range. And I'm definitely going to stay in here for this one. Um, I like this movie a lot. But I don't know if I connected with it as strong as you did. I'm going to go with a 58 out of 69. Prototypical four-star movie for me here. Well, Cody, funny enough, I'm a 59 out of 69, oh. which was the exact same rating I gave Mad Max Fury Road last week. Oh, I guess wow. I'm just kind of locked into a little spot. I do like this movie less than Mad Max Fury Road slightly. Um, four and a half star movies is, is what these are for me. Um, but yeah, no, I really love this movie. Um, and uh, even on rewatch, I, I think it still holds up as, as a really incredible direction. It is, it is a tough tragedy. I wanted to highlight when you go to Google and you do the bones and all and you look at the rating on there, 3.2 out of five. But it's got like, a bunch of one-star ratings and a bunch of five-star ratings and then like everything else in between not really so i guess the people on google are like they it's either if you knew you were getting into a cannibal movie or you didn't and then yeah. you, you acted accordingly letterbox though you know the people understood that it was going to be about eating people yeah and of course you're gonna have some people coming in and be like I thought this was a horror movie. And then they're like, I was bored for two hours. So if you're one of those people, nobody likes you. But yeah, I, I understand why it would be one like you either did you, really. Did like you it. feel a little bit of that? Were you a little bored? Did you, did it? I mean, I, I know you rated it highly, but like, did you expect something else? Did you expect something with more intensity? I mean, not really. I mean, there was enough cannibal. Like that, that was the entire plot of the movie is these people are cannibals, you know? let's let's yeah. their lives so i think that's interesting enough for me um even from a horror perspective i mean there's still a lot of action in this movie they slit people's throats they eat people constantly uh you know mark rylance is all over the place so it definitely like kept you off your toes enough too where i definitely was not bored at any point let's talk you might also like who knows you might like it it's a killer rush okay. what would you recommend a fan of bones and all i have some weird recommendations for this i think um for some reason, this movie, just its cinematography, 
Uh, just reminded me of like Nomadland for some reason. So I I think just based off of that alone, maybe I would recommend that. In terms then, of capturing like the American landscape, I I, yeah. I get what you mean for sure. And then plus that because I mean we've been saying it, but the romantic horror genre it's a bit niche. There's not a a ton of great films with that. The one that I kind of thought of, it's not even as much horror, but The Shape of Water, I think it's a really good movie, and I would recommend that to people. But it, it's not really the same vibes as this movie. I don't, I can't think of like a, a comparable movie that kind of has the same like ultra horror and ultra romantic vibes. So it's hard to compare. Other than There's not a lot of things that are like this, and I I agree. I I struggled to like come up with something. <laughs> I do have one more for you specifically, Corbin. Oh. Kind of does do with that the twilight franchise uh, uh so, so that's my recommendation to you not for everybody else but since you love this movie so much i think you need to go revisit twilight because i think you might be a big fan i uh i visited twilight all of them for the first time like <laughs> two years ago i don't think i need to go back um and of course we, we did a great twilight episode on this podcast um cody I agree. It's tough. You know, all time cannibal movie, Silence of the Lambs, but really that's not the same thing as this. Um, we've talked about it already. Beautiful Boy. If you want another Chalamet performance about addiction, that's definitely the one. And it'll leave you just as depressed at the end. Um, and then the last one that like, not really aesthetically or vibe wise, but it's an extremely well-directed movie that deals with a lot of themes in society and the people that live on the outside of society and you know the the just is a little bit sci-fi as children of men it's a movie we've talked about in the past but like there is a connection and the feeling of like home and loss and, and all that emotion in that movie um, that you could at least appreciate uh similarly even though it isn't like horror at all yeah very similar to like the world building we were talking about so yeah that's a great movie as well i, I would recommend that highly too the final question, Cody. All right, listen, I got one last question for you. My final question for you <laughs> is if you were on an island okay. and all you had was Timothy Chalamet and no other food, uh, would you eat him? <laughs> Am I cannibal in this scenario or are we just on an island? You're a hungry man with no food. It's Survivor, <laughs> but without Jeff Probst. I'd say in that scenario, I, I probably would not eat Timothy Chalamet just out of respect to himself. Um, I'm not a cannibal, so maybe if I was thrown in this world, I'd have a different answer. But, no, you know, I'm a survivor, you know. Uh, you know uh, how to get go for the coconuts. I'm a survivor connoisseur, so I know what I'm doing in the jungle, even though I've never been in the jungle, you know. But good question. My question to you, funnily enough, it's pretty much the same thing if i'm being completely honest <laughs> yeah i mean it's the but obvious i'm putting you in this movie basically so mm. at the end if you're taylor russell in this but it's you you know you and timmy are this couple would you have eaten timmy at the end or would you not eat him well i think like the practical thing is like he's gonna die right like i don't think he's surviving i guess if you assess the situation what do you yeah, but like that? Yeah, he was like actively bleeding out, but also they had a dead body there. So it's like if she doesn't eat him and takes him to a hospital, like they're gonna get, go to jail probably. Like this is like destroying the evidence. Eh, I mean, I, that's my just, thought. Is like you, you just lock the get door him. and then you know sew him up. And I don't think Chalamet's living, so yes, I would eat him. Um, <laughs> okay, and follow up. Are you doing bones at all? 
again, like I, I'm, I think it's about evidence, Cody. That's my big thing. It's like in this situation, <laughs> you talk about the cops. I mean, don't leave a body behind. You eat them bones and all, then you don't have to worry about it. Obviously, about I wouldn't. Thing. I would not. I don't even. Again, I don't. Is that possible? I, I would not eat a person personally, but right, right. in the context but of this movie, you're more worried about the crimes. I don't want to go to prison. Like man. the love. It's about yeah. the love, Corbin, not about the crime. Uh, yeah. I mean that too. <laughs> I love, I would love him. I love his hair. That's that's sure. my big. I had I had similar colored hair at one point in my life, so I could respect it. Respect. Three movie mini draft, Cody. Well, it is draft day. We're doing Timmy Chalamet films. Yes, sir. I picked the category. You go first. I first pick. Oh, well, I'm very happy with that. And off the bat, he's he's got a wide collection of stuff here, so we're definitely have some good honorable mentions, but. I mean, my first pick, I got to go Lady Bird here. I think this is by far the best film available. Like the I said, second time you drafted that in this, the course of doing this, Gary. It's like a good movie. And if you listen to our episode, I, I didn't give it that high of a rating either. So, <laughs> But I do love that movie a lot. You really don't but, like it that much. Uh, yeah, love that. Shout out, uh, Greta Gerwig, great director. But uh, I'll throw it over to you. Um, so I'm not too worried what you're going to take next. But. Well, I'm, I'm going to take a little film called Dune, which uh, is my second favorite of the movies that he's appeared in behind, of course, Lady Bird. Um, but it, an amazing film nonetheless. And don't talk to me about Dune Part 2. R.I.P. Also, I really need, speaking of rewatches, I really need to rewatch Dune before Part 2 comes out. Um, that's a good pick. Definitely a textbook, what I expected there. What we drew up in the playbook for sure. My second pick. I'm going to go with, I mean, some of my next picks aren't even on your radar, so I don't have to worry about it too much, but I'm going to go number two with uh, Don't Look Up, which I think it's one of the more underrated films here in the past couple of years. One that has simply just been forgotten about, I think. Stellar cast, and specifically, I love uh, Timothy Chalamet's role too, where he's like, I freaking love fingerling potatoes. <laughs> It's a bright spot in a movie that I was very disappointed about. Um, I will say, uh, I just was on the Rough Cut retrospective. Our good compadres, our friends, uh, we oh, did yeah. a Leo retrospective episode, and we did talk about Don't Look Up. Cody, Best Picture nominated, Don't Look Up. Don't act like it, it didn't get it the respect it deserves. Of course, Jax and I had trouble remembering that that happened, but um, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's an okay film, but it's like, it's a lesser Leo. It's a lesser Adam McKay. Like it's, it's just, a, it's on Netflix, you know, like, I don't know. A great J-Law performance too. It's a know. lesser J-Law performance. No, J-Law is awesome. In the movie, but uh, it's also got a great Leo performance. Underrated Leo. But yeah. Leo, when has Leo ever been bad, him. Cody? That's the whole point. But go check, go check out the RCR. Cause I bet he was. And it gets one of the <laughs> what's, what's your second thing? Uh, I mean, I'll take Interstellar, Cody. I know you're not going to like oh, grab it off the board, disgusting. but Interstellar is, it's still a good movie. I mean, Nolan, it's not Nolan's best, but like it's a, still fucking a banging sci-fi film. And uh, yeah, it, the score is incredible. Yeah, the score is good. I'll give you that. Uh, Timmy's great as well. So I'm only funny. picking movies we've done. <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't know what, what I'm going to do next, but. So, well, with my third pick here, there's a lot to choose from. I'm going to go with Call Me By Your Name. And again, specifically, just Timmy's kind of acting throughout is unbelievable. Army Hammer's okay, but uh, Michael Stolberg, I think, is is the standout in that movie that doesn't get talked about a ton. But I would recommend this to you, Corby. You know, I know you like this movie a lot, obviously, and it's the same director. So 
I think it's definitely one you got to check out here soon. And we'll, we'll talk about some fruits uh, after you watch that. But yeah, good flick. I, I would recommend it. I, I will watch it. I, I, I got to give it another shot. Um, with my final pick, I can just spitball and throw out here. I'm, you know, I was considering Beautiful Boy. We've talked about it already. Um, the King, again, another mentioned earlier. Hot Summer Nights. That's another A24 movie. It's not great, but it's a fun Timothy Chalamet leading performance. But the movie I'm going to take um, is another Gerwig, and that's Little Women. Um, he's better in that movie than he is in Lady Bird, to be entirely honest with you. Um, his screen time is probably more as well. Um, obviously, it is called Little Women, and he is not one of the Little Women, so he, you know, he doesn't get that insight, but he wasn't the Lady Bird either. Um, I think this is a fantastic adaptation. It's cool because it is adaptation that is both commentating on the act of adapting and like the source material and writing. And it, it's, it's really well done. And Sersha and Timothy together, um, they're the preparing and we need to see more of it in the future. Agreed. I think eventually we will get a movie um, or like they both win Oscars. Um, like Thoughts on this movie with Sersha? instead of taylor Russell. i mean i'm here for it i mean give me any movie with them give me interstellar with with timmy and insertion i'm on board so when take what a roll <laughs> what and, and what like yeah. this is, i don't understand she can be tover grace um yeah i mean i think they're great together and that was definitely at the top of my honorable mention list that would have been my fourth pick probably running through a couple of the other ones the king as well uh Rob Pat. I like Rob Pat in that movie. The movie's got Rob Pat being French and Timothy Chalamet being English. Now there's yeah. a brain teaser for you. Makes sense. But that's another one I I feel like there are a lot of Netflix films that are kind of just lost in translation a lot these days. And that was one I did enjoy a lot as well. Oh, Beautiful Boy. I haven't seen that, but that was on my list too, just because of Steve Carell. And then of course Wonka. I'm surprised you didn't take Wonka preemptively. Um, just so you well, I've, I've already done it once uh, in our <laughs> rough cut retrospective uh, fantasy league, which I made the brilliant decision to trade uh, Maestro for Wonka, a movie that will uh, inevitably nominated for Best Picture and, and probably received multiple uh, acting nominations. Uh, but Wonka might as well because Jude Law plays an Oompa Loompa, so don't count it out. Is it Jude Law? I don't think it is. It's uh... you're right. It's Hugh Grant. <laughs> i saw the trailer again today on, on uh, tv it looks terrible but um uh, i'll be in the theater seeing it but i'm not too excited about it flip it and reverse it cody that's what i say something like that weekly watches cody Karen, honey. Uh, what do you watch it has been a minute like we've talked about yeah. um i'll start off by saying i i said at the end of our last episode that going into october i was only gonna watch horror movies and uh, Leo films. Now, of course, I, that didn't really stay true because New York Film Festival was happening and I got a chance to check out a couple movies there. And I also went to go see Blackberry again because uh, Glenn Howerton was doing like a Q&A afterwards. So outside of that, I have tried to stick mainly in the world of horror and Leo. I wanted to do a throwback, a movie that I never talked to you about that I watched at the end of September that I forgot. This movie called The Fan, Cody. Robert De Niro, Wesley... Robert De Niro, Wesley Snipes. Wesley Snipes plays a baseball player and Robert De Niro is an obsessive fan. And it is uh, a cool baseball movie that I watched. Um, it's directed by Tony Scott, brother of Ridley Scott. It features the song, Gimme Shelter, which, you know, Robert De Niro and Gimme Shelter, those things go together. Um, and yeah, just 
a weird, like forgotten nineties movie where De Niro's playing another crazy guy who's, you know, got some shit going on. That actually sounds really dope. I just looked up pictures. Looks like uh Wesley Snipes place for the New York or excuse me, the uh, Giants. Giant. So that's pretty dope. San Francisco. And also it says that Jack Black is in the cast, uh, which is even better. Um, but I love Tony Scott. Yeah. Uh, shout out Top Gun. Go check out our episode on that. But I've never heard of this film. It, it looks pretty awesome. Yeah, that was another, uh, you know, down there in the Alamo Draft House little rental action that I, uh, you know, just nice. found looking through Tony Scott movies. It's a, you know, it's De Niro doing what De Niro does really well and has done in, you know, King of Comedy, Cape Fear or whatever. Like, it's the, it's the same shit, but like, hey, man, play the hits. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, you better hit a homer tonight because I'm betting on you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is it is very, like, it's it's crazy. The uh, he's, he's a bad dad, you know, that's fun stuff. It's also, like, a cool, because it's, like, a little bit of a, I mean, you think about that time, it's, like, the strike in baseball is a happening slash happened, and um, it's, Wesley Snipes signs this big contract to go play for the Giants, and it's, like, you know, there's a lot of commentary on that and, like, you know, what are players worth and living up to that value, and, you know, um, it, there's some really cool stuff, and it's, like, yeah, for being a baseball movie, it's one that I'd never heard of. Um, so I wanted to shout that one out that uh, we never talked about. Um, I'll throw it over to you before I, you know, hit New York Film Festival stuff. I'll save the horror for our next episode because we're, we're talking it. True. And I split it up a little bit. I actually been into a bunch of stuff. So I'll just run through a lot of it here pretty quickly. But off the bat, um, I checked out Die Hard for the first time. I'd never seen Die Hard. That's pretty good. Pretty good Christmas movie. Might have to add it to my Christmas list each year. Um, I also saw Dungeons and Dungeons and Dragons, uh, whatever the stupid subtitle is on uh, Paramount Plus. Something Thieves. I don't even Honor care. Among Thieves. Is that what it is? Yeah, that's what it is. Um, I don't know, Corbin. I don't. I don't love this movie. You, I think <laughs> most people were pretty big. I like it. I, I. I also didn't love it. I would say. I, I mean, I know I like it more than you did. You kind of gave, um, gave it like two stars, didn't you? Yeah, I thought it was just kind of, I Stupid. don't know. I, I didn't it's like know. not really that funny. I don't. Yeah, it, I didn't think it was very comedic. And then there's like, the like massive county part was like, oh, there's a fat dragon. I was like, oh. <laughs> I think it's, I, I think it has some interesting direction and like the VFX are decent. I think uh, the VFX are terrible. I don't really care about VFX. What about but... like the scene where the she's turning into like all the animals and it's shade, like that's well done. There's there's cool stuff, yeah. you know. I like the concept. Like it's it's like a Game of Thrones concept movie. I like that a lot, but it kind of just doesn't take itself. I mean, again, good. yeah, I'm not a huge fantasy guy, so like I, <laughs> I've I mean, said I'm it many not, a time. I'm not really. I I'm not a massive fantasy guy, but Game of Thrones is is fucking awesome. But anyways, the uh, the movie I did want to talk about a little bit. Triangle of Sadness. Corbin, mm. you've seen this movie, correct? Yeah, and you know it was ah. rated higher than Bones at all. So would you agree? That's where I, I, you know, in terms of the 2022 films, it was one of That's the uh, ten above. I, I would definitely agree with that. Um, I I love this movie. Um, it's probably one of my favorites that I've seen more recently. Uh, just it's such a tonal shift, like halfway through the movie, which is awesome. And I definitely think I like the second half more than the first half, but the first half you have like, or I guess it's the middle. The middle is also great with Woody Harrelson <laughs> and like yeah. the puke scenes on the boat. So I freaking love this movie. Um, I need to rewatch it again immediately, but like the third act is probably one of my favorite, just like tonal complete shifts in movie of all time. So I'd highly recommend that if you have not seen that. 
Uh, past that, smaller smaller stuff. I've been watching all the Mission Impossible movies, so I checked out Rogue Nation. Pretty shite, if I'm being honest. I don't, I don't really like Mission Impossible movies. I don't I either, out, man. I checked out Fallout yeah. as well, which I'll review on our It episode, so check that out for, for some Henry Cavill jabs. Um, other than that, I watched 22 Jump Street again, underrated comedy. I rewatched The Big Short for the first time in a while, which I love that movie as well. At one time, it was in my top four letterbox, but it has unfortunately been removed. I checked out The Way Way Back, which I hadn't seen before either. I don't think you love that movie, did you, Corbin? I'm not a huge fan. Mina really appreciates it, but I'm, I'm not a huge fan. I like it a lot. Uh, <laughs> dude, Sam Rockwell. I just awesome. think like Sam Rockwell plays like a bad guy. Like I don't think he's a good human. <laughs> yeah, he's not, but he's so likable. Um, he's got that's that's one of the best characters, I think, uh, you know, in, in recent times, the past 20 years, I would say. But the kid actor is also really good too. I don't know. I just it's like the prototypical like coming of age, you know, summer movie of like, oh, the quiet kid becomes like the popular kid or whatever, which the format is fine, but I think the execution is just really well done. So I love that movie. Um, and though that, just some smaller TV. I don't think you've been watching Loki season two, have you? Forgot that it, I've been. I I will say I've I been doing some traveling. I I've had weddings oh, on back to back weekends. I'm so not. I'm I, not ripping on you at all. I just want to double check. I forgot about bad. it. I mean, Loki season one, I was a fan of. Uh, the first two episodes are out, and it's decent so far. Shout out, shout out Uh It looks like it's going to be in pretty much every episode, so I love that. That's cool. Um, and I mean, Owen Wilson and Tom Hiddleston are great together, so I'll watch like five seasons of the show, if I'm being honest. Um, then, of course, the, other, the only other thing on television these days uh, would be Survivor. <laughs> um, first three episodes are out now. I think way back, did we review the pilot? We have I not talked about Survivor. I don't think it was Welcome to Survivor Talk. Um, got the Season pilot 45, back. baby. Season 45. Still no returning players for 10 seasons. Um, yeah, the cast is interesting. Obviously, the Lulu tribe uh, is, is one of the, the worst constructed ones in a while, I would say. But shout out to my girl, Emily, who I was a massive hater on in the pilot, which I think was understandable. Uh, but she's really come around. She's actually not the worst player ever. And this last episode, episode three, it's actually not bad. It's actually a pretty good episode of Survivor. And a really wacky vote. Um, when you get down to the, like the three, four numbers here in these original tribes, especially when somebody doesn't have their vote. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think that's when it does get pretty interesting. You know, pre-merge. So shout out to them for having an interesting vote. It could have gone like a one-one-one vote. Um, basically if Caleb didn't kind of read the situation really well, which I think Caleb's a great player too. I don't know if I make that read in that situation because that's pretty tough. Yeah. I mean, the, I, I agree. Like he is a, he is a big threat, but it's like, that's a t- bad time to try and take him out. Oh yeah. Um, I would and, take out Emily a hundred percent there. I don't know yeah. why you're still trying to have her along, but this is okay. I don't hate all the tribes, you know, Jeff's doing Jeff stuff. So I think there's a swap coming next episode too. So yeah, be- so that's the thing. It's like wherever the numbers fall is really going to have a big determination on how things go. But like if those Lulu, I, I think Emily and Caleb, you know, maybe they stick together for a while, you know, we'll, we'll duo right. and uh, they'll probably make it pretty far. I mean, you, you've, you've, you've been sending me the, the TikToks of the, the edit, you know, breakdown of who's going to be uh, winning based on, you know, confessional time. So you're already on the Emily train. 
it's all about the edit, man. Um, a lot of interesting stuff. I'll tell you what, if, if you're a Survivor fan, and I'm guessing you're not, but if you are, I mean, dude, confessional edits, just looking at that on a season-to-season number is really interesting. Because there's obviously a ton of editing geeks that they do to kind of throw you off as well. So, like, the people in the first five episodes, like, usually the top three are not the winners. But that's just kind of what the chatter is always like. Oh, Emily's had 20 confessionals. She's the new Gabler. She's going to win everything. But uh, I don't think it's happened. But I'd love to see it. Two things about the season. One, I do like the new advantages, uh, the beware advantage in the way that it's kind of been integrated. But they've made it really tough to find, like the like that being up in the tree. They seem to really struggle with that, and then like the digging and like so, you know, they made it tough. And it's also like a cool aspect where like you have to keep risking your vote to, for it to become stronger. Uh, that that's definitely a new like gameplay mechanic that's interesting. And then also like with the hour and a half episodes, I actually do think it it's kind of working. Like, I think it's made it a little better. Obviously it's a result of like, you know, studios covering for them, not paying actors fairly or in strikes and not paying, you know, wanting to pay the writers to have a time for a fall TV season, but it benefits survivor. And we're really just getting to see more of the pre challenge stuff on the Island. And like now, like character interactions make sense. We haven't gotten a lot of like shitty, dumb flashbacks about people's bad sob stories either, which is, been positive overall so far um so so far i think you know despite maybe not a like fun first two episodes i think it's going to be a pretty decent season the shitty sob stories is what makes survivors <laughs> taking us the final tribal every time uh, but i agree it, i don't love the circumstances of of getting longer episodes obviously but it, it was definitely needed i think um especially in these new age seasons where it's all about the challenges and the twists we got to spend half the episode on that because jeff loves it so yeah it's really nice to actually have like motivations behind the votes now as well so i agree but that was my long list i'll throw it over to you what have you been into my breath so uh like i said i saw blackberry got to hear glenn howerton talk about um you know kind of taking on the role doing something a little bit more serious even though you know it is kind of a satire it's kind of a comedy um, I don't know. I think he's making the Golden Globes push right now is, is, is my take. You know, he's going for that, you know, best supporting actor, um, you know, a Golden Globe. I don't know if it's going to happen, but, you know, we'll, I'll root for him uh, at the very least. And then uh, also New York Film Festival. I, I saw this movie called Agro Drift, Cody. Uh, do you know anything about this? I saw the post on Letterboxd and it looked absolutely <laughs> bonkers. So this movie is directed by uh, Harmony Corinne, who notably like the movie Spring Breakers, which I'm not a fan of. Um, and they're just like, you know, a couple other things. Gummo, Beach Bomb. Like, I don't, I don't know. He's kind of a weird guy, but he made this experimental movie. It's, it's only about 80 minutes long, but the entirety of the film is shot in infrared. And then on top of that, it has all of these like crazy VFX effects added on top of like there's crazy demons in the sky and all this crazy shit. Um, Travis Scott appears in the movie as a supporting character. He's like one of the two build people in the film. It's the main guy, uh, Jordy Molia, I think is his name. And then Travis Scott is the second one. Um, it's basically follows like this weird assassin who's just like monologuing the whole time about how he's an assassin and he has a wife and a family that he wants to take care of. And it, it's really strange. It The VFX, like some of the effects were so cool. And there's so many things that I had never seen done before in a movie. And I can imagine that in small doses or in applications beyond this, I think it there's like a future here 
filmmaking, but it is an experimental film. It's, you know, a step into the water. Um, and it was, you know, I would never probably watch it again. Like it was, it was weird. It was, you know, but it was, it was cool to check it out, especially New York Film Festival. He came up on stage before, introduced it, got to see it. It was a midnight showing, 11.59 PM in the theater um, in New York City, a full crowd. It, it was, it was a cool experience um, to see something like that on the big screen. And also like, he was not there, uh, but the, and also like the soundscape of the movie is, is really interesting as well and crazy. Um, so I saw that. And then the next day at New York Film Festival, I also saw The Zone of Interest, which is a movie we talked about um, on our uh, Academy Award nominations or way too early Academy Award nominations episode. Uh, I really, I, yeah, I, I, think, I think it's gonna get nominated for Best Picture. I really hope so. I, one of my, five favorite movies of the year so far it's also a one that is we talked about what it's about and you know guy who's in charge of Auschwitz and it's his family and it's a story and like it is a very tough movie to say like I like this and I enjoy it and it's my favorite but it is extremely powerful it's extremely well directed it's again similar to this movie that we talked about today the things that they decide to show you and the things that they decide to not show you particularly the things that you then hear um are expertly chosen. Jonathan Glazer uh, is like balancing a tightrope, and I think he's, you know, lands the lands the uh, the trick, the flip at the end. So, um, really um, looking forward to uh, getting a chance to rewatch this movie because there's a lot there. Awesome, love that. Um, and then I think I think that might be uh, all I'll have for today. I've been also, uh, well, I guess I'll hit on the Leo. For everybody I've, i have watched a couple leo films so nice. um we talked about the beach which is a weird one uh, yeah. also basketball diaries which leo playing a heroin addict did you see my review of this movie by any chance cody i don't think, um, I did, I I don't think you're ever gonna watch this movie so i'm just gonna give you a couple spoilers for the film um <laughs> events that happened in this movie uh, at one point leonardo DiCaprio lays on top of a roof and masturbates um and then writes a poem about it uh <laughs> the uh ernie hudson uh from ghostbusters uh he shows up and he just dunks all over leo's ass just gives him the what for it and gave him basketball there's a very extended dream sequence that leo has where he dons a black trench coat and shoots up his school just takes a shotgun and shoots up his thigh, which is crazy 1995 like <laughs> i cannot imagine seeing that in a movie today um especially because like when it was happening, I was like, what the fuck is happening? Why is it? And then I was like, oh, it's a dream that he wakes <laughs> up from, but so strange. Um, and then also Michael Rappaport is there in one singular scene as a skinhead, fully head shaved, uh, where he just like beats the shit out of Leo. And his character's name is Skinhead. <laughs> what is this movie? That's a lot. Uh, that would be based a lot on a true story. Gross. Uh, I'm after that, honestly, that sounds pretty. It's not available to stream on any websites uh, except for Cody, the classic film website fdupmovies.com, everyone's favorite. You watch that on fdupmovies.com? fdupmovies.com is where you can find basketball diaries. Brutal. <laughs> um, I also watched uh, The Revenant for the first time, which I was not a huge fan of. I mean, you know. Leo gets oh. eaten by a fucking bear. Congratulations. And then even less so, I was uh, not a huge fan of Body of Lies, which is a Ridley Scott, Leo DiCaprio movie about the Iraq war. Um, it's pretty tough because Mark Strong plays like the ambassador for Jordan, white guy. 
not a Middle Eastern man. And Oscar Isaac also plays a Middle Eastern man, which like Marvel has done multiple times, whether it be uh, the Apocalypse guy or, uh, you know, Moon Knight. But hey, even in 2008, they were saying, Oscar Isaac, I'm sorry, man, you're, you're going to play a Middle Eastern guy. Yeah, that is weird. He gets typecast into a, a different ethnicity. Kind of strange. Yeah, but that is uh, that is all I have. I've also uh, got a lot of horror that we'll talk about uh, in our next episode. Yeah, and stay tuned, obviously, throughout the month here, like we're saying. We'll hit a couple more. Fairly spooky. Uh, yeah, you teased it already, but obviously uh, going to do some clown stuff in the next episode. So definitely stay tuned for that. And there's a movie I see you watched that you gave uh, a very high rating to, which I, I respect. So I'm, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on the next episode. Absolutely. Stay tuned for that and stay capping. Peace. Peace. What you've just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it.